As I prepared this homily, tonight's short reading from Ezra kept coming back to me. Perhaps that was spurred on by the opening line of the collect that we heard tonight. Oh God, because without you, we are not able to please you. It, I was struck by the complete dependence on God that we hear in that collect and that Ezra depicts. He opens in what you might call classic prophet form, with a tearing of his garments and a gnashing of his teeth, and then continues recounting the manifold sins of Israel dating back to Abraham and the patriarchs. Now it seems the Israelites almost never got it right with God, and as a result, they've been plundered by an endless series of foreign takeovers. Egyptians, Assyrians, Babylonians, to name a few, and now, in this reading, the Persians. Their generational sins have kept them enslaved for centuries with little sign of stopping. But then, in the middle of the reading, Ezra's tone changes suddenly. Right at verse 8, he says, But now, for a brief moment, favor has been shown by the Lord our God, who has left us a remnant, given us a stake in this holy place in order that he may brighten our eyes and grant us a little sustenance in our slavery. Suddenly there's hope. They can't. God's steadfast love or God's covenant, as you hear here, appears even in the darkest hour. And what had happened is the Persians let a remnant, a small percentage of Jews, return to Jerusalem from exile. They're still slaves, they're still subject to Persian rule, but at least now they can set up the house of God, repair the ruins, and worship in the city. They don't, well, they can't do this on their own. It's only God's intercession with the Persian king, that is another way of saying God's grace, that lets them come back into the right relationship with God. And this is despite their history of sinfulness. I remind you, the collect, it says, Oh God, because without you, we are not able to please you. See, we can't do it without God. Now, a couple of days ago, I was going through some old files and cleaning things up and stuff like that in general and came upon a reflection by Thomas Merton that I had held on to because at the time I read it, it meant so much and seeing it again, it just really came at the right time. And it's from his book, Thoughts in Solitude. And what's interesting is it echoes for me that same pattern that we hear in Ezra. It opens with self-doubt and misery, followed by dependence and understanding of that, and finally, redemption. But let me read it to you, and I invite you to sort of close your eyes and listen to it, whether you're at home or here. My Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. Nor do I really know myself, and the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope that I have that desire in all that I am doing. I hope I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. 
Therefore, I will trust you always, though I may seem to be lost in the shadow of death. I will not fear, for you are ever with me. You will never leave me to face my perils alone. I think that's an amazing reading, and I love how it opens up with you know, this Trappist monk who's devoted his life to God, who opens with, my Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going. Because how many times have you felt that? How many times today have you felt that? And so if he can feel it, I feel like we can feel it. And, I, and we hear that in some of, of Ezra, that, you know what, there's a, there's a sliver of hope that opens up as the remnant returns to Israel. And the whole reading, this whole reflection from Merton turns to me on the line, but I believe the desire to please you does in fact please you. It's our effort that God is waiting for. You see, he's already there. God's already there in steadfast love, in covenant that is not broken. But it's the deep-seated desire to please God that elicits God's favor. God's love is steadfast. It's not in question. God's waiting for us to join. And the reward is incredible. We got a glimpse of it today in the, in, in, with the disciples in the gospel reading with Luke. And it's interesting because this, this gospel reading immediately elicits the reading in Mark that is very similar but here the powers, in, in Mark, the powers the disciples are given is to cure unclean spirits. Here, there's no limit to their powers. They can defend against all demons and can cure all illnesses and, all, and, and, give, and they are given authority over all of them. They preach the word, they cure the sick, and we're told at the end that they departed and went through the villages bringing the good news and curing diseases everywhere. They had universal success in doing this. And it's kind of interesting, I wonder if, as they were going through that journey, if they had that question that we heard from, from Thomas Merton today, that I have no idea where I'm going. I have no idea what I'm doing. But they trusted. They trusted in the power of God. And they had success everywhere they turned. And I think it invites us today that you know, it may feel like we don't know where we're going. And that's okay, because God's waiting. Without Him, we're not able to please Him, but God's waiting. And all we can say is, come Holy Spirit, come. Direct and rule our hearts. And I will trust You. And I will not fear, for You are ever with me. And You will never leave me to face my perils alone. Amen.